Hey everybody, Pastor Chris here. It's so great to be with you today for worship. And I thought I'd give you a little bit of a tour here at Salem Fields and some of the stuff that we have that's set up. And see behind me, this is our box tree. And you might wonder why is this here? Well, the whole theme of our message series is Welcome to the Neighborhood. And it's based on a scripture, kind of paraphrase of scripture that says, Jesus moved into the neighborhood. And so at Christmas time, that's what we celebrate. So we took it literally and set up some moving boxes. So ha ha ha, that kind of goes together with that. But we want you to keep thinking about what it means for Jesus to move into the neighborhood and for you to move into your neighborhood, to share the light and the hope of Jesus. And so today in our message today, Pastor Jason's going to be sharing about how Jesus came for all of us. Jesus came for everyone. And that includes some of the people that we might not think so highly of. So uh, make sure that you check out all the things that we have going on for this Christmas season at salemfields.com slash Christmas. Lots of great stuff happening. Also our Christmas services on Christmas Eve and on Christmas Eve Eve. Some special services for you to take part in, whether you're worshiping here online or in person too. So uh, take a moment to say hi in the chat. Uh, give greetings to anybody else that's out there worshiping so we can be together as a congregation. And let's prepare our hearts for worship as we come together today. Everyone, welcome to church. Let's stand to our feet and worship together this morning. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. 
thing wouldn't work. When the old thing had passed away, you came on Christmas and you did a new thing. You moved into the neighborhood so that those who were far off from you could draw near. We thank you, Father, that you're still in the business of doing a new thing. You're still in the business of never giving up on us. And so we thank you for that today, Father. And as we gather together online and in person in the building here to worship together, uh, we expect you to once again do a new thing. And Father, we, we, we do understand that when we gather in this place and when we gather in our homes and our cars, wherever we are in our jobs, wherever we're listening to this, this uh, worship service, that you long to do a new thing. And we also understand that your presence, because we've gathered in this place and gathered in our homes to worship you. And we also realize, Father, that uh, for you to do a new thing, something new has to happen to us. We have to surrender. We have to, we have to allow you to do a new thing. You're a perfect gentleman. You're not going to make us do anything. But, in, but when we come to you and we surrender ourselves to you, you can do a new thing in us. And so, Father, we thank you even today that you're going to do a new thing, that as we worship together and as we pray together, as we give together, as we, as we listen to your word together, you have a new thing for us. You're not satisfied for us to leave this place or leave this service or leave this broadcast the same way we were when we came in because you want to take us to a new level and for some of us, that will mean finding hope for the first time. And for others, it will, be, it will mean finding renewed hope. So, Father, would you help us today? Would you help us to put everything aside, all the things that can distract us, so that you can do a new thing in us? And we thank you ahead of time for what you're going to do. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Please have a seat. Hey, welcome to you. Uh, thank you for being here today. Uh, we don't take this for granted. We know there's plenty of places you could be this weekend. And we just thank you that you've decided to worship in community with us here in the building and also online. And so we want to thank you uh, for that. want to encourage you to uh, continue to register. Hey, say, say goodbye to our, our journey folks, our teens, our students who are leaving. Have a great one, students. And Pastor Tone. Um, anyway, we are so glad you're here and want to tell you that we want to continue to register for services. Uh, this is not the time to kind of to kind of shrink back. This is time to redouble our efforts. We, we listened to the governor even this week give us some new uh, instructions on how uh, we would continue to stay safe as we get through this thing. And, uh, and I, I'm so happy. As I said to you last week, we're going to get through this thing, and we're going to get on the other side of it, and I can't wait 
because like you, I hate wearing a mask. I hate being social distanced. I do it because we're in this together. And so I want, you to, I want to remind you to continue to keep our covenants of wearing the mask, of social distancing, and um, making sure that we respect one another. And one of the things that we're going to change here in the near future is uh, starting next week, uh, just because we want to continue to be safe and do our part, uh, we're going to say you can drink liquids outside in the foyer, but once you come into this place, uh, liquids will not be allowed until we get through this thing. And uh, I'm, I'm excited and I'm ready. I'm ready for the donuts to come back. How many people are ready for the donuts to come back? I'm ready for the donuts and the juice to come back. And so uh, we're going to get through this and that will come back. But in the meantime, let's just kind of work together and uh, help each other out and uh, work on that. If you are a Facebook person and you have Facebook or you can get to our Facebook, if you're out there online or in the auditorium, we would love for you to check in. If you go to Facebook and you check in, what it does is it sends something out to all of your folks saying you're here, and they can follow you right here and jump online and hang out with the belongers together. And if you want to do a watch party, you can do that too. I think it's kind of hard to do that in the auditorium. But those of you who are out there online, you can do a watch party, and your friends can join you with us on service. Hey, I want to thank you for your giving. There's a number of ways that you can give. You can give through the buckets outside the doors here. You can give online through a number of ways. And we want to thank you for that. You've been so faithful in your giving. And we want to thank you for that. And we know you don't do it for us. You do it for the Lord. But we want to thank you uh, because we're involved in this together. I want to thank you for your pledges and your uh, giving to Thanksgiving offering so far. We're at 37000 about $500. And so we have a little bit more, and we'll reach that goal. And I would love to come and kind of celebrate with you. Remember, that offering leaves here. Everything that comes out in it goes out and around the world to do things like we're doing in India and things like we're doing in Nigeria and things like we're doing in USA America all around the world. So thank you for that. Hey, there are a couple of deadlines coming up. If you want to decorate a reef and participate in a reef decorating contest, uh, today is the last day you can pick that up. Remember, you're going to decorate it, you're going to take a picture of it, and you're going to upload it online to either the Journey website or to our uh, Family Connect website, and then they're going to judge those. And then if you have not had a chance to participate in Blue Christmas, remember, we're giving 100 gift cards, $25 to Target or Walmart, to uh, Spotsylvania County Sheriff's Department, so they can give them out to kids who don't have much this Christmas. So if you have not done that, the last opportunity to do that is tomorrow. Now, here Here's what you can do. I didn't get mine in. So I went online and I took my trusty phone. It's here somewhere. And I went online and I was able to go to the giving online and I was able to give there and I put it, I put it under special offerings and we will know that that will go to buy gift cards for the Blue Christmas uh, Sheriff Office uh, party that they're doing. Want to give you a couple more things. Christmas services coming up January, January <laughs> December the 20th. December the 20th is Christmas Sunday. We're going to be worshiping here and online. And then on the 23rd and the 24th, the 23rd will be our Christmas candles, carols, and communion service. We're going to do that here on a, in the auditorium. We're going to do that specially safety distance and everything like that. And then last but not least, the 24th will be our Christmas Eve service, and that will be online as well as in here um, in the auditorium. Now I'm going to have Chris Becker come up. Where is she at? Pastor Chris? She's somewhere here. We are going to do some special <laughs> ugly mask stuff. We have our ugly mask. 
today. So if you are a participant, uh, James, I'm going to have you hold that. These are our wonderful prizes for today. You, you too can have a mask Santa Claus or elf or snowman. So this is our very first annual ugly mask competition. Hopefully the last annual. Yes. Woo yes. So if you're participating, I'm just going to invite you to come up. If you will just socially distance, stand up front here and the way we're going to do this. So if you could move down that way, we have a couple. I hear a jingling coming from the back. Is that Santa? He's coming. Okay, y'all can spread out over. I know you're a part of a family, so. Okay, you're all family. We got Rose and Jay. Give it up for Rose and Jay. Yes, and you too, if you're worshiping with us online, we want you to clap loudly. We might not be able to hear you, but in your heart, we know you will participate too. Come on, Pastor so. Kelly. Come on, Pastor Kelly. Come he wanted, on, Kelly. He wanted a special yeah, invitation. I know. He might steal it. So, so the way we're going to do this is our audience, you all are going to decide who wins this. And we have first, second, and third place here. And so I'm going to go down the line here. Yeah, that's Kelly. You'll see him in a minute. It's Marley. pretty. Marley. It's pretty, yeah, Marley. There we go. There we go. No, yeah, Kelly, out, he spent a lot a of time on that. Social distance, social distance, move, move over that way. Okay, so we, I will point to a person and up on, you see this like technical stuff that's on the screens here? So we have a decibel meter, believe it or not. We have a decibel meter that will record the level of your applause and the winner will be the one that has the highest, the highest level of applause. So think ahead, look at the candidates here who you would like to clap the loudest for. Make sure we clap for everybody, please. Everybody's participating. So I'm gonna go down the line here, starting with my friend right here. I can't see his mask, but clap, clap, clap. Okay, what were we up to? What was that, Jamie? Oh, it's frozen. Okay, so we're going to make this up. It was up to uh, 78. Okay, we're going to make that up. Okay, how about Chip here? He has ringers okay, in the okay. audience. <laughs> okay, very nice, very nice. Okay, is this a, is this a family affair? Sure. All together? Wow, y'all are, you all went really out for this, didn't we? Let's, let's do one at a time. How about that? Okay, right here. Okay, next one. Okay, very nice, very nice. Ooh, okay, very good, very good. This is gonna be really hard, okay. Jenny, yeah, look at that snowman. I love it, I love it, very homemade and Staff that shouldn't was, get I any. Know, I know. It's like the, what do they say? Disclaimer, like st like staff people that work for you can't win. I don't know. We have a lot of people. We'll, we'll help. How about Jay? Give it up for Jay. Very nice. And Rose, the lovely Rose. Very nice. And if you guys would just shift that way, that way we'll get Howard in the light over here. So that way they can see their camera. And... Our lovely Santa Howard. Okay, I don't know, James. I don't know. Who are you? Who are you thinking? No. Don't walk away, Howard. 
Okay, Kelly is disqualified, so that leaves. <laughs> How about our third place? Our third place? Our third place, Frosty goes to Frosty. Yay, to Jenny, very nice. And second place goes to Jingle Howard. Thank you, Howard. You can give that to your grandsons. And first place, round of applause, everybody, or uh, drum roll. Drum roll, drum roll. Goes to, I have to just say, the whole Wagner clan. You all take the cake today. So thank you all for participating. Merry Christmas, and hopefully we don't have to do this again next year. <laughs> well, thank you for participating in that. Um, when we put this uh, series together uh, a couple of months ago, we talked about moving into the neighborhood and what that means. And for some of you guys who haven't gotten the box Christmas tree outside, those are moving boxes. And so that's moving into the neighborhood. And so uh, I am so ecstatic to introduce our speaker for the day because this is like out of the, the narrative that we're going through. This is my favorite part of the narrative because I'm included in this narrative. So would you give a warm Salem Fields welcome to Jason, Pastor Jason. This must be your phone. Phone, mask, all that stuff. Thank you. Well, good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? All right. I'm glad that you're here. I got my table shifted around. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm super excited about this message. Um, you know, this has been an amazing series in and, and there and, uh, of, of what we're kind of the welcome to the neighborhood. And, you know, and just a disclaimer, we've got uh, fires, uh, we've got some fire extinguishers to both sides, so if I go up in flames today, please, um, you know, put me out, um, you know, and uh, there's the fire marshal isn't here, right? Because I, I remember Buddy did a message once, and we used this for a campfire, so I think we're okay. We're, no snow alarms or anything to go off, but hey, let's, we'll come into a little bit, but you know, we're just excited about uh, being here today about, you know, Jesus coming to the neighborhood. What does that mean? You know, we, were, we, we kind of um, kicked off this uh, series with Pastor James, and he was, he was talking about, um, you know, how out of the stump comes this, this, this sprout of this branch. Because, um, you know, did you, I didn't know this until recently, um, over the past few years, that like when you cut a tree down, um, if you don't take the stump out, a tree, will, if it's healthy, it will come back. And did you know that? I, I had a tree in my backyard that came back and is taller than it was when I cut it down. And, um, well, it's not in my backyard anymore. We'll get there in a little bit. Um, but, uh, but, you know, so it was, uh, it was exciting, though, because out of this stump, out of this uh, chaos of this world, um, God promised us this, this branch that would come up out of the stump. And Pastor James talked about that and how the, the line and the, the family tree of Jesse to David to Joseph to Jesus comes from that. And Pastor Kelly last week, he talked about the, the, uh, the light coming into the world. And, and the light coming into the world was in this dark and chaotic world that we live in that, that, that God brought light and that was his son, Jesus. And you know what that means is that Jesus moved into the neighborhood. And I'm so excited about what that means because um, it, it really means that Jesus moved in the neighborhood for a specific reason. A specific reason. Before we kind of get into that, I want to kind of go to our key scripture that kind of goes through this. I mean, I, I, I'm, I've been trying to do the Bible reading for um, through the year, you know, uh, this past year, past two years, I've been able to complete it. I'm, you think as a pastor, I'd read the Bible every year 
um, all the way through. It just doesn't happen that way. Um, but, you know, I've been enjoying, I, I'm an audio person, so I listen to the Bible um, being uh, spoken. And, um, and I use the version app, and um, I use the paraphrase, the message, because if you go to uh, the NIV or the King James, the person they got reading that will put you to sleep. And I couldn't do that when I, I would listen to this on the road when I'm taking my daughter to swim practice at 3 in the morning, and it's not a good thing to fall asleep to your Bible while driving your daughter to practice. So at least the guy reading the message version, uh, paraphrase, um, he's animated in, in there. And, but I love the wording of that as well because it was great when Pastor James came up with this series. Um, I was kind of at the same place with, uh, in my reading plan where he was talking about. And I love that in John 1, our key scripture for this entire series says this, that the word became flesh and, and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory. Like father, like son, generous, inside out, true from start to finish. I'm excited. I don't know about you. I'm excited that Jesus, the word, the light, moved in to the neighborhood. Jesus moved from the heavenly realms where it was just beautiful and perfection to the neighborhood, earth a place of darkness and chaos and stuff. And no, I don't think we could probably get a better illustration than just capping it with 2020 this year. Kind of illustrates this. And we need the hope of Jesus. You know, I, I, I love it. I love that he moved in the neighborhood. Isn't there something exciting when there's something moving in the neighborhood? I mean, I've, I've lived in, well, I lived in Salem Fields um, for uh, 17 years. Um, and in my home that I was just moved out of, I was there for 13 years. Um, so my daughter, Gracie, will be 17 next week. And we were there from the time she was born um, up until this last week. You know, and, but there was always a sense of excitement. When you saw a for sale sign, when you see a for sale sign go up on your street, there's a little bit of excitement in the air, isn't there? Like, who is this new neighbor going to be? Are they going to be a good neighbor? Are they going to be a horrible neighbor? Um, where did they come from? Why, why did they decide to move into the neighborhood? The stories and the questions. And, and, and trying to figure that out. Why? Why did Jesus decide to move into the neighborhood? You know, it was exciting this week. I, I, um, Jody and I transitioned from Fredericksburg. and You might think we're nuts, but it, it makes sense to us. Um, we, we transitioned from Fredericksburg to Glen Allen. So we just, uh, we just purchased a home down off of a 295. We moved in on Friday. So it was a great, great week to pick to go preach um, when you're trying to move. Um, and living out of a hotel and moving boxes and chaos and stuff. But, it, I mean, God has a great sense of humor, and it worked out really good. But it was exciting as we kind of moved into the neighborhood. There was this, there was this anticipation for us coming to this new neighborhood, and, and what's it going to be like, and, and who are our neighbors going to be. And I know that everybody in our neighborhood now, um, it's not a very big neighborhood, only like 30 homes, everybody decided to walk their dog on Friday. Um, because they wanted to see who's the new neighbor. They're, why are they here? What are they doing? Um, and, you know, the excitement and the anticipation of a new neighbor coming in. I mean, they liked us so much the first day. We, we, um, we've got this little walking trail that's across our street that goes into a public park. And I didn't realize that when you walk through the gate, there's a sign there that says, lock the gate behind you. And um, so some neighbor that, that lived there, they locked the gate behind them. And so... Um, Jody and I were in the park, and we come back to the gate, and we're like, we're locked out of the neighborhood. 
We're like, wow, they really loved us so much that they, they, they didn't want us back in the neighborhood after being there for like a couple hours. And so I had to call the, I had a business card of a, of a neighbor that stopped by. It was the president of the neighborhood and he gave me the code and we, we got back in the neighborhood. But you know, there's this excitement with moving and there's a lot of stress and chaos with it as well. Um, but it's exciting when that moved, you know, to, to, to get that moving in the neighborhood. You know, the story was the same for Jesus. People knew that he was coming to the neighborhood. The, the Old Testament, uh, as we call it, and Kelly calls it the First Testament, I, I sometimes like to refer to it as, as the Old Covenant and the New Covenant as you go through the Bible. But the, there, there was this, this anticipation of the coming of the Messiah, in the Old Testament, as we read through Isaiah and through the prophets, they knew that God was coming back. He was coming back. You know, see, what had happened was back in Genesis, um, that the Adam and Eve were, were, were walking in the garden with God, and, and, and they fell into sin, and, 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 and that, that peaceful, great place of Eden, um, God booted them out of the neighborhood because they were no longer clean because of sin. And so we've been booted out of the neighborhood, but God never stopped loving us and wanted to redeem us in the story. And, and, and he was trying to have these covenants with us to, to, to bring us back. And, and, and then he, he brings to us through the prophets that there's going to come a day when the Messiah is going to come and move into the neighborhood. In Isaiah 7, um, 13 through 14, it says this, Then Isaiah said, Oh, house of David, you aren't satisfied to just exhaust my patience. You're exas you, you exhaust the Lord's as well. All right, then, the Lord himself will choose a sign. A child shall be born to a virgin, and you shall call him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. You know, we sing the Christmas hymns, and we sing the Christmas songs, and it talks about Emmanuel, God with us. Well, what's that mean, God with us? That means that God is with us. He's moved into the neighborhood. That, that, that means that God wasn't just going to be this God up on this cosmic cloud up in heaven in the heavenly realms anymore. It meant that God was moving into the neighborhood. That's what it meant when, when Isaiah was speaking this. There is going to come a child. He's going to move into the neighborhood. He's going to, bring, he's going to be God with us. And, and everyone that would believe it would get to experience this. And, and you know, and the, and the, and the prophets and the, the religious leaders and the scholars, they anticipated the coming of the Messiah, moving into the neighborhood. But they had a warped picture in their, in their minds of what this was going to look like. They thought this Messiah, this king, this deliverer was going to bring them uh, the, the victory over the, the oppression they were facing. So they were expecting this, this, this Messiah, this child, to be born in a palace. In, in a kingdom, in, in, in a throne room, and, and, and to have all the luxuries of that. And that's what they were looking for, for the sign, and they, they missed it on who it was. You see, God moved into the neighborhood through a babe, into Bethlehem, into a manger. See, God wants to move in, he moved into the neighborhood for us, for a who. You see, I love, I love this. It's like, what, you know, God moved here. He moved here for a purpose. God moved here for someone. And who is the who that Jesus moved in for? Sounds like a Dr. Seuss rhyme. Who is the who? But who is the who that Jesus moved in for? And that's who we're going to talk about today. 
We're going to get to the bottom and the root of who the who is that Jesus moved in the neighborhood for. You know, many times I think about, like, I'm moving into this neighborhood. I'm like, oh, this will be good because I don't have to take Gracie to practice anymore because she can start driving herself at 3 in the morning. Well, no, she doesn't have to get up at 3 in the morning. She can get up at 4.15. She gets an extra hour. I get an extra two hours of my life back. And, you know, so I'm thinking, this is great while I'm moving in this neighborhood. I'm not thinking about who am I moving into the neighborhood for. But there's a purpose and a reason that I moved into this neighborhood and God's got it. And so I'm excited about that because we'll get into more of that next week with Pastor Chris about who I possibly moved into the neighborhood for. You know, I've, it was, I've already gotten to meet some of the great people there and, and, and that. But, but there's a reason that God didn't just move into the neighborhood because earth was great, a great place. He moved in here for a who. You know, we look at moving into a neighborhood because it's a great location, it's a beautiful house. We look at for our self-serving ways of why we move into a certain location or place or our home. And, but yet, Jesus and God were looking into it, not because it was self-serving to them, it's because it was for us. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today. The who's that Jesus moved into the neighborhood for. You see, I love this Christmas story because it shows us that Jesus moved into the neighborhood for a specific group of people, for certain people. You know, I, I love the Christmas story, and we'll get into that more on Christmas Eve, but I love this portion of the Christmas story because it shows exactly, again, how Jesus came for who. You know, we, we know that, 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 the, that Jesus, that Mary and Joseph, they have traveled to, to, to Bethlehem to register for the census, and, and, and there was no room in the, at, for them in the inn. And they, moved, they had to move into a, a, into a, a barn. You know, how many, we have nativity scenes out on our, on, our, on our countertops or around decorated for Christmas or in our yard, and they all look great and, and, and beautiful, don't they? You know, the little ceramic Jesus in a little manger looks pretty and all that. But in reality, how many of us want to move into a barn? I mean, I know donkeys. They stink. I mean, really. It's not like they had someone come in there and like get the manure out of the barn to where Jesus was going to lay before he was born. It was like, hey, this is what I've got to offer. This is where you're going to stay. And there was the, the, the stinking, smelly animals and the hay and, and, and that. I mean, it, it, had, it was miserable. Of this cold, damp, cave-like place to protect animals from the weather. And here in the feeding trough, they had to dump out possibly the food that was in it to feed the cattle or any animals that were in there so that they could lay a baby inside of it. It's not so pretty and like we put it on our mantles, is it? It's gross. It stinks. Jesus left heaven with this perfect, beautiful paradise to come down to be put into a feeding trough where it stinks. It's dirty. It's gross. And he moved there. Why? And for who? Who did he move in there for? You know, because the, the, the religious leaders are thinking they moved, he moved in here for these, these, uh, the Israelite people so that he could deliver them from the, the oppression they were facing. And they, and they thought they were moving there for, um, you know, this, this, this glory and, uh, of, of this glorious person who's going to be there. And it was for them. But yet, 
I'll tell you right now, it was for much more than that. It was for people like, their, like, like this in the narrative of the story of Jesus' birth. It was for the people that were like the shepherds. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, it says, That night some shepherds were in the fields outside the village, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel appeared among them, and the landscape shone bright above the glory of the Lord. And they were badly frightened, but the angel assured them, do not be afraid, he said. I bring you the most joyful news ever announced, for it is for everyone. I love that. It's for everyone. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem. How will you recognize him? You will find the baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God. Glory to God in the highest heaven, they sang, and peace on earth to all those who are pleasing him. Then when the army of the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds and the others said, Come on, let's go to Bethlehem and see the wonder which has happened and which the angels have talked about, the Lord has told us about. They ran to the village and found that their, their way to Mary and Joseph. And their baby was lying in a manger, and the shepherds told everyone what happened. The shepherds. The shepherds. The shepherds were outcast. These weren't people that have the nobility that should come and see the king of heaven and lying in a manger. They were outcasts. These are people that were, they were smelly. They put them off on the hillside to take care of the flocks and the sheep of, of, the, of the area. They were the outcasts. They were the people that you would and I would probably turn our nose up at. Unfortunately, that's how life and society is. If we were to walk around Skid Row, and, and, and we've had teams that have gone out there to the Dream Center, and, you know, it, it's, like, it's like what we imagine. It's, it's worse than what we've even seen in the movies, what's hap what happens out there. But these are people that we would avoid those streets. We would avoid the people that are around the burn barrel trying to stay warm at night because they smell, they're gross, they're nasty, and we would avoid them. But yet the Messiah, even in his infancy, has already started to show the way that God is going to be because the very first people to visit the Messiah, God with us, when Jesus moved into the neighborhood, were these outcast shepherds. The people that we would turn our nose up at. The people that would have a, a disformity of, 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 of that, would, that we would see somebody walking towards us and they may have something grotesque going on with them and we would avoid them. We would walk across the side of the other street. These are the very people that Jesus moved into the neighborhood for. You know, he moved in, it said here, for everyone. That's why I love that we sang the song, Joy to the World. He moved in for the entire world. Not just for the people that come to church. He moved in, that means, that means that he moved in for the very people that we most of the time probably despise. And I can say that I've been guilty of this. There's been groups of people where I've been maybe, I've looked at the wrong way or, or judged or that. But guess what? I was wrong for doing that because God moved here in the neighborhood for them too. You know, we, we live in a country where we've been, we've been uh, burdened by terrorist attacks of people that believe differently than, than religiously and, and that. But guess what? Jesus moved into the neighborhood for them too. So those that might believe differently, theologically, those that might believe differently than us, those people that we might, might get frightened of because of things that have happened in our world, um, guess what? God moved into the neighborhood for them 
too. They're part of the who. They're part of the who. That's what I love about the story is that Jesus moves into the neighborhood because it's about a who. It's not about a place. It's not about, about a, a house or that. He moved into the neighborhood for a who. Who is it that Jesus moved into the neighborhood for? And his, the, story, the Bible's filled with stories that show us the exact people that he moved into the neighborhood for. And I think we could probably find ourselves in some of these categories. We, we, we can see that, that Jesus moved into the neighborhood for the people that are down and out. You know, that, that life has maybe hit you upside the, the head in a different way. I mean, 2020 has hit us, taken us all off kilter. It doesn't matter how, how, how well our life was in 2019. We've all been impacted and thrown off kilter with, with, with 2020. And I also need to put a disclaimer. I, I'm not, I, I, I will step forward, but you in the front row, um, if I spit on you, I, I assure you, you won't get COVID. All right. We, probably will, we need to put a little plexiglass thing here. But I'm, I'm animated. I like to walk around. Um, no, we're fine. But, you know, 2020 has thrown us all off. Thrown us completely off. It's had us down and out. It's been down. We've been down and out about not being able to come into a building um, to to come to church and not being able to, not being able to come in here without wearing a mask and, and these things. And but Jesus came for those things too. And and and, and I'm going to be very blunt with this. Our worship isn't dependent upon us wearing a mask, and it's not dependent upon us being inside this building. It's dependent upon where are the condition of our heart and that we take it wherever we go. Because God, as it says, Emmanuel is with us. God is with us. That means he's with us everywhere. And we can worship him everywhere. He's here for the down and out people in life. Isaiah 43, 2 says this. He says, but now God's message, the God who made you, the first, in, the, you in the first place, Jacob, the one who got started, Israel. Don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name, your mind. When you're in over your head, I will be there with you. When you're in the rough waters, you will not go down. When you're in a rock, between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am God, your personal God, the Holy of Israel, your Savior. I paid a huge price for all of you, all out of Egypt with rich Cush and Seba thrown in. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. I would sell off the whole world to get you back, trade the creation just for you. This is the prophecy that was coming from Isaiah, and he did this with Jesus moving into the neighborhood. He's going to get us through a rock and a hard place. He's going to get us through the tough times. I, I have not, wit I have, like, this past year has been insane, not just before 2020, but for a lot of different reasons for, for myself personally. And I will tell you what, I can testify more than ever over the past couple months, I've watched how God has gotten me through the rock and the hard place. I, I can tell you that this, this move and this transition to this, this, of this home, um, it, it is a God thing. God has been in it every step of the way. And I've got, I can have witness to that. God's been in every step of the way. This, is, this person right here is an amazing person, I'll tell you right now. My real estate agent's here. Um, and she comes to Salem Fields, and she is a workhorse. I mean, good grief. If I, she, she unloaded more boxes than me. Um, 
And she's amazing, but it, she's been able to watch too. I mean, it's been awesome to walk this journey because we've been able to see how God has had his hand in every step of the way. We thought things were just overwhelming and stuff, but yet God has promised that he's with us for the down and out. Jesus moved into the neighborhood so that he could be with us through these tough times. We just have to learn to lean in on him. Because he loves us that much, he would ransom it all for us, is what he said, and he did. See, Jesus also moved into the neighborhood for the ones that society despises. All right, kind of talk with that. Like, society despised the shepherds. Society despised uh, people. Israelites despised certain groups of people. And they were despised by certain groups of people. But yet, Jesus moved into the neighborhood for them. You know, we learn this through Mark chapter 2, thir verses 13 through 17. It says this, it says, Then when Jesus went again to walk alongside the lake, again a crowd came to him, and he taught them. Strolling along, he saw Levi, son of, of Alphaeus, at, the, the, uh, at his work collecting taxes. Jesus said, Come along with me. He came. Later, Jesus and his disciples were, were home having supper with a collection of disreputable guests. Unlikely, it seems, for more than a few of them had been, uh, become followers. The religion scholars, the Pharisees, they, they started questioning this. Like, why is it that this person then that's saying that it's supposed to be the Messiah, is he hanging out with riffraff and, and the people that are sinners? I mean, they're with a tax collector. You think the, the society liked their tax collector? I mean, how many of us like the IRS? I mean... How many of you have like, would, hey, you owe me some, you owe me about 10,000 in back taxes, Brian, why don't you come on over for dinner tonight? <laughs> you know, that, that's what Jesus was like in the neighborhood. No, they were despised, outcast people that Jesus was hanging out with. And, and Jesus was having dinner with them and fellowshipping. He moved into the neighborhood for the despised outcast of society. You know, he, he moved in for, for the outsider, the people that were outside of what, what, what the, they thought were the chosen people of God. And God's chosen were the Israelites, but they kept messing this up, and God's love went for everyone. It was, it was this. He said this. He said, Adam, out of you I will make great nations, and nations will be blessed because of you. So the Israelite people came out of the, out of, out of the, the lineage of Abraham. And, and, and through that, we do get blessed that many people are blessed because of that, because out of that line comes the line of Jesus. And many nations will be blessed because of it. And, and so it was through that that God chose Abraham, chose the Israelite people to try to bless, to bless the nations with the salvation of, of, of that of the Messiah that, to come. But yet, in society back then, there were people that were on the outside. And, and I love the story of the woman at the well. In John chapter 4, there's this time where Jesus and his disciples, they've been they're gathering, and they're going to cut through Samaria. And Samaria is a place, is a no-go for people of Israel, for the Israelite people. The Jewish people would just, they would walk around Samaria to, just to avoid it because it was a place they did not want to go. They, they were outcasts. They were, they were considered half-breed, which meant that they were part Israel, uh, the tribes of Israel, and they, were, they married outside the tribes of Israel. And so they were despised by the Israelite people because you weren't supposed to marry outside those tribe, tribal lines. And, and, and so, but yet they had, they had enough knowledge in, in the scriptures and to know about God, and they, they, they were curious about that. But yet the Israelite people wanted nothing to do with them. And, 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 but Jesus said, hey, we're going through Samaria because that's the quickest way to get where we want to go. It's a straight line. Why take, why take the extra detour? How many of us want to take a detour? 
And, and so they were going through Samaria, and, and they were hungry. And Jesus said to his disciples, go on, I'm going to stay here by the well. You go into town and pick up, get some food for us. He meets a woman at the well, a Samarian woman. And at the time there, it wasn't really proper for men to be talking to women, especially if they weren't in the same family and different things. And so Jesus is talking to someone that's not in, 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 in relationship with him, and he's talking with someone that is now a Samaritan woman that's at the well that is looked down upon as a half-breed and disgusted in society. And, and he has a conversation with her. I think one of the greatest theological conversations that, that probably takes place in one of the parts of the New Testament takes place there between Jesus and the Samaritan woman when they're trying to talk about identifying who the Messiah is and, and who's right. Is it us that, that out of Judea that, that, that we're worshiping God and, and, and the Messiah will come and, and, or, you know, this, or the Israelites proper? And, and Jesus puts it to a squash and says, it, it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what you do. It's a matter of, of a heart of worship. And Jesus brings that to peace. And then, then it's, it's shortly after that conversation takes place and she realizes that it's the Messiah and she goes off and tells everybody. The disciples are coming back with the food and they're seeing Jesus at the well with this woman and they're like, why is it that Jesus is there with this woman? Why? A Samaritan woman, this is, this is not supposed to happen. And Jesus gives them a valuable lesson that the message of God and salvation are, is for her as well. He moved into the neighborhood for the outsider. He also met, and to illustrate this some more, he also entered the neighborhood for, not only was this person an outsider, but he's also entered the neighborhood for people that, that with just simple faith. You know, so many times I think we get caught up thinking that we need to have all this vast knowledge of God in order to be in relationship. And then until we've got that vast knowledge and understanding of the Bible that we can't, we can't be in relationship with God. And, and, and we have to be, we're still far from God. But no, Jesus came for simple faith. And the scriptures talk about having childlike faith in order to enter the kingdom of God. You know, I love theology. I love kind of studying that stuff. But, but, you know, that's not the type of pastor I am. I've come to realize the type of pastor I am. I'm the kiss pastor. That doesn't mean I'm coming around and kissing you. What it means is that I'm the keep it salvation, keeping, and I'm taking the eye out, keeping salvation simple, pastor. I'm keeping salvation simple, Pastor. I'm the pastor that I believe that the message of Jesus is a simple message. Salvation is a simple process for us. It's an act of faith to believe, and that's what he did. It says to this in Matthew, I love this story of simple faith. And, simple, uh, and from that simple faith, Jesus moved in for this neighborhood for this person who was an outsider and had simple faith. It, it was this Roman officer in Matthew chapter 8. Verse 5, it says, When Jesus entered the village of Capernaum, a captain in the Roman army approached him asking for a miracle. Lord, he said, I have a son who's lying on my, my home, uh, laying in my home, paralyzed and suffering terribly. Jesus responded, I will go and heal him. But the Roman officer interjected, said, Lord, I am, uh, who, Lord, who am I to have you come into my house? I understand your authority, for I too am a man who walks under under authority and have authority over soldiers who are under me. I can tell one of them to go and he'll go, and another to come and he'll come. I order my servants and they'll do whatever I ask. 
So I know that all I need to do is to stand here. All that you need to do is stand here and command healing over my son, and he will be instantly healed. Jesus was astonished. In other translations, Jesus was amazed. Jesus was blown away at this revelation of this man who was an outsider. He was a Roman soldier, a Roman citizen. He would not have known really the, 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 the scriptures and the, the teachings of the Israelite people, but he heard about Jesus and who he was, and he believed. And Jesus was amazed by the, the fact that this man believed just based on what, because he simply had heard about what has been done. And Jesus, so he was astonished when he heard that, and he said to those who were following him, he has greater faith than anyone I've encountered in Israel. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Multitudes of non-Jewish people will stream from the east and west to enter the banqueting, banqueting feast with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the heavenly kingdom. But many Israelites born to be heirs of the kingdom will be turned away and banished in the darkness where, where there will be bitter weeping and unbearable anguish. Then Jesus turned to the Roman officer and said, Go home. All that you have believed for will be done for you. And his son was healed in that very moment. Jesus moved in for the outsiders, to become neighbors with the outsiders. The question is, is who is it then finally like this, to bring us in? Because I think we can all find ourselves, all relate to ourselves is, is in some of those categories. Maybe we're down and out. Maybe we felt like we're on the outside of church because we haven't been there for so long and we're just tuning in for the very first time trying to figure things out in 2020. Maybe, maybe um, we, we just don't feel like we're good enough to, to be in that, that relationship with God. I'm here to tell you that you're, God is here for you. We can find ourselves in that story, that God is here for everyone in the world. I, I think about it right now, and I, I was on checking in for my Facebook uh, there, and I saw that Manu, Manu who's in India, who's, who, who's in a world that understands that God is there for every person in India. Despite the fact that they may be Hindu and worshiping multiple gods, he's there knowing that God's there for them and wants to make sure that they understand that. They believe differently. And that's what Jesus tells us, that he's here for the entire world. The answer is this, is the who that Jesus moved into the neighborhood for is you. The who is you. Isn't that great news? The who is you. The Savior of the world, the Messiah, stepped down from the heavenly realms to come down and be born in a stinking, rotten manger barn for you, for me. It says this, it says in Revelations 3.20, it says, Behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. If your heart is open to my, hear my voice and you open the door within, I will come in to you and feast with you. And you will feast with me. Oh my goodness, isn't that amazing? Jesus wanted to become a neighbor to have fellowship to have a feast with you. I mean, that was the exciting thing. I mean, I've got these, like I said, we moved in on Friday and everybody in the neighborhood had a dog and I, maybe somebody walked their cat. I'm not sure. But they, they, they wanted to know who the new neighborhood neighbor was. And they're out front and uh, standing on the street and they're, we're saying hi and, and welcome to the neighborhood. And, and Jody and I are like, we're out, we're, we, I don't even know how we ended up in this place because we found out one of the attorney general's attorneys lives behind us. I'm like, well, how did we get here? Because they're big people, we're little people. 
and, but yet they want to be neighbors. They're like, hey, would you get settled in and, and all that? We, want, we, we got a big old deck in our backyard. We're going to come out. Why don't you have a beer with us? I'm going to have to tell them, you know, I'm a pastor. Um, I'll bring a root beer and, and we'll, we'll have a good time, you know, because they don't know I'm a pastor yet. Uh, they just know I had the guy with the big moving truck in, in, in that and, and my dogs barking at their dogs um, and, and, and everything. But, you know, that's the exciting, that's the exciting thing about being a neighbor. And, and when we open the door for Jesus and let him into the neighborhood, when he moved, because he moved in, sometimes we have to let him in, though. And, and when he moved in, we can let him in. And he, wants to, he wants to have dinner with us. He wants to let you know that it's going to be okay that you're in this tough spot. I haven't given up on you. That's why I'm here now. I moved into the neighborhood for you. And what's this all mean when Jesus moved into the neighborhood for us? It's this, and we're kind of, kind of closing and I've got two minutes, 30 seconds, according to that clock. But they, you guys all did your ugly mask thing, so I'm taking your time. So um, it's this, it's this. First of all, that Jesus moved into the neighborhood for this is to qualify you. What do you mean, qualify you? Yeah, what does this mean? Have, have, you know, those of us that have, that, have, that have purchased a home, we know that we have to fill out all kinds of paperwork. You got to get the pre-approval process going. You got to get approved for the loan so you can buy the home, right? There's, there's this approval process to be able to move into the neighborhood. It wasn't just that I go find this house. I'm like, hey, I'm gonna, I love this house. I'm going to move in. No, I had to be approved by a loan officer. Um, I guess we still sign the papers tomorrow. I haven't officially closed yet. So we, <laughs> um, no, everything's going to be good. But, you know, I, move, I had to be approved to move into the neighborhood. And see, our neighborhood on, on this earth is only temporary because there's life beyond this place. You know, the old hymn says, I'm just passing through. There's a place that of heavenly realms where we're supposed to go. And do we want to be part of that neighborhood? Well, we were, we, there was no way we could because we separated ourselves from God because of sin. But Jesus, God, came down into our neighborhood so he could take us to his neighborhood. And in order to do that, he had to qualify us. And he qualifies us by approving us by, through his death and resurrection on the cross. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5 says, Because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that we have been saved. And it's that grace that, that qualifies us when we accept it to become citizens of heaven and moving into the heavenly realms with Jesus and being a neighbor to Jesus, but he had to move into our neighborhood for us first. What an amazing God. So we've been qualified even though we don't deserve it. I have been qualified though I don't deserve it. It's because of God's grace. So he says this, God, I've taken this from someone and I've heard it around. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And guess what? We've all been called to be neighbors to Jesus. And he will qualify us through his blood shed on the cross and through his resurrection. He qualifies us. The second thing is, is that he moved into the neighborhood to take claim to you. Col Colossians 1.12 says this, Your hearts can soar with 
joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by, the living, by living in the light. By living in the light. Kelly talked about this last week. By living in the light. The, the, by living in the relationship with Jesus, the light. We, we, we have claim to an inheritance, which is the inheritance is the kingdom of God. And you know what? I'm so excited about the light. I, I wanted to say this earlier, but I don't. Do you understand just how powerful the light is? Jesus is the light. And in, 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 in Genesis, God says, let there be light. Do you know scientifically it's proven right now that light is still expanding? God didn't say let there be light and it's done. No, God said let there be light and it's expanding to the farthest outreaches of this expansive universe that we can't even see. But yet because of Hubble Telescope and science, we can see that light is still being created. And, and what that means to me then is that if God's still expanding light in that universe, that when he says that Jesus is the light in this place, in this earth, that, that Jesus isn't done yet and the light is expanding yet across the globe. Still for, to take claim and to qualify those. For all of us. I love that. And I love that this key word of inheritance is there, that, that we get to inherit the, the kingdom. Let, let's put it this way. It, you, you don't want to miss out on this inheritance. Imagine this. Um, if you received um, a letter in the mail on Friday from an attorney's office, and it said, hey, um, you're, you're supposed to be at the attorney's office on, on December 14th at 1 p.m., in order to claim the inheritance that a distant relative has left you. How many of us would miss that appointment? I mean, I wouldn't. I'd make sure I'm there. I've, maybe I got that, that, that distant rich uncle's out there, and he's giving me an inheritance. I mean, I want to pay my mortgage. I'm going to make sure I'm there, right? Well, there's an inheritance for you, and there's the appointment for that to, to, to gain uh, claim to that to, is now. It's today. The inheritance is for all of us here today. And, 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 if, and if you haven't accepted that inheritance, we're, we're going to have an invitation for that inheritance here at the end of the service. Because you don't want to leave here missing out on the riches in the, of the kingdom of heaven which for eternity and that inheritance in which Jesus wants, is trying to take you from this neighborhood to his neighborhood. See, it says this in Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. It says, And we were all included in Christ when we heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. Listen to this. When you believe, you were marked with him with the seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is, is the deposit guaranteeing of our inheritance until the redemption of those of who are God's possession. To the praise of his glory. So the other reason Jesus came for us, for the who, is so that we could gain claim to that inheritance. It's, it's, it's so much more than just the Christmas story on Christmas Day. It's this, this story there. You see, and finally this, is that Jesus moved into the neighborhood to redeem us. To redeem us, to bring claim back, to qualify us, to redeem us, to bring us back into there. In the book of Hebrews, it says this, we're reminded that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. It's just that in our minds, we, we can't think of the fact that the, the shedding of blood had to come from this innocent baby that was laid in a manger, that grew, up on a, that grew up to be a man that had to be nailed to a cross, who was innocent and free of sin. 
We, sometimes it's hard to gather that, but see, the old covenant was that in order to be redeemed and, and, and cleansed of sin was to, to sacrifice a lamb, and it was the, the pouring out of the blood of that animal that, that would cleanse and purify the sins of the people. And God knew that we couldn't, he couldn't keep up like that because we were such, were such screwed up, fall, flawed people. So he said, I'm moving into the neighborhood and I'm going to come in and I'm going to be this innocent baby and I'm going to live this life and I'm going to perform miracles to let you know that how much I love you and then I'm going to allow myself to go and be nailed to a cross and that, that the, as, I, as the pain of the agony of those piercing nails hit my hands and the blood is poured out on that cross, that it is the covering that is going to go over all everyone's sins that will accept it for all of the time here on earth. So that he could redeem us and bring us back into relationship with him and walk just like he wanted to create there. Because you know, understand this, that, that I don't know if you understand this, that God loves you. He, he, he's, he loves his creation. You know, in Genesis, he talks about when he created man, it said that he created man and it was very good. You know, on the, when he talks about creating light and the animals and stuff, he just says it's good. But when he created human, he said it's very good. Good. And that's what he wants to redeem that very good creation, you and I, for him. And, and that's exactly what he wants to do. He wants to bring in that. that let's, let's put it this way and talk about this. And it's just the closing is this. And this story that, that, I, that, I, that I recently have heard. It's this, that this young family, they, they had moved out west. And they were moving out west. The husband and wife, they had gone through some rocky times. And when the young wife finally, be, the fi finally became so disillusioned and stressed with the marriage and the responsibility of being a mother that she just got up and ran away. One morning, the husband awakened to a note beside him in the bed, but she was gone. He agonized about her leaving, but he felt the, that he needed that she needed a little space, so he didn't try to follow her. He called her on the cell phone that day and every day for more than a week. He told her that he loved her. He begged her to come home, and she listened to what he had to say. He could often at times hear her softly weeping, but she stubbornly refused to come home. As Christmas approached, the young husband became more intentional uh, about trying to find his wife, and he decided to hire a private investigator to help him locate her. A week later, um, the detective stumbled across her in a low-budget motel in a bad area of Las Vegas. Without alerting her to his discovery, he called the husband in California. Several days before Christmas, um, she sat on this lumpy motel bed all by herself in this dimly lit room. She felt about as lonely as she had ever felt in her entire life, and then suddenly she heard a knock. Softly at first, and it grew louder. Cautiously, she walked over to the door. She peered through the curtain, and she, her heart skipped a beat when she saw that it was her husband standing at the doorway. She slid the chain away from the door. She opened the, the, the door and threw, fell directly into her husband's arms. He repeated this familiar speech, We love you. We need you. Please come home. This time, this time she started th throwing what few clothes she had with her into her old suitcase and started heading for his car. 
A week later, the Christmas tree was back up in the attic and the children were in school and he asked her, why did you wait so long to come home? I begged you to come back a dozen times. What took you so long? She said, you told me you loved me. You told me you needed me. But those were just words until you came. 2,000 years ago, God of the universe moved into the neighborhood. He left heaven and he moved to earth. He set aside his power. Why did he do this? He did this to redeem us. Rather than just hearing God loves you and being separate, God moved into the neighborhood to let you know that he loves you. Rather than just hearing that God loves you, Jesus moves into the neighborhood to show that he moved into the neighborhood to redeem, to rescue, to qualify, to to bring you back to him because he loves you that much and that he allowed himself to die on that cross. You see, someone doesn't come that far for someone that they they say they love we really understand when action is put to words when when it comes to some of those things when someone says that that they're your friend or they love you or they care about you sometimes just saying the words doesn't show enough it was not until those actions come to meet the words and and that's what the word was coming and action was taking place and jesus moved into the neighborhood you know it doesn't do us a lot of good right now in our lives just to have Jesus move into the neighborhood if he hasn't, doesn't, like, moving here on, to earth. You know, it doesn't do us a lot of good for the fact that Jesus just moved here on earth if we don't allow Jesus to truly move in to the neighborhood of our heart. When we let Jesus move into this neighborhood, the transforming power of God works in miraculous ways. And we can truly experience the miracle of Christmas when we allow that. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for your love today. We're grateful for your grace. We're grateful that you love us so much that, that you, would, you would leave the heavenly realms, that you would come to be our Redeemer, our Messiah here on earth, and to start off as an infant in a manger, and that you moved into the neighborhood to to help us through our tough situations, to, to help us when we feel like we're on the outside, to help us when, when, when we feel like no one else cares. God, we know that you're there. And when we can accept that, we can truly experience it. Maybe you hear this morning, you say, Pastor Jason, I've never been able to experience that truly of Jesus moving into the neighborhood. Well, I want to invite you to just pray this along with me and invite Jesus to move into the neighborhood of your heart this morning by just simply saying, you know what, God, I believe that you did come to earth as Jesus and, and that you allowed yourself to die on the cross for my sins. And I believe that I'm forgiven, Lord. So when, when I ask for forgiveness and that I'm forgiven, and I simply say, thank you, God. Thank you. And when you've done that, there's a party celebrating in heaven. And and you've done that, there's, there's, there's a celebration going on because you've been welcomed back not only to the, neighbor, the, the, the neighborhood here on earth with, with the fellow believers, but yet into the neighborhood of the kingdom of God in heaven. Lord, we give you all the praise 
for what you've done here today. We give you all the glory. First in Jesus' name we pray. If you accepted that prayer today, would you please make sure you tell someone? Tell one of the pastors. We'll have some pastors that'll be standing up here. Or tell, uh, you know, if you're online worshiping, email me. Or email us at info at Salem Fields. Just to let someone know. Don't leave here without understanding the, the power of God moving into the neighborhood and that he moved here for you. He loves you. He's crazy about you. Have a Merry Christmas and a good day. Thank you. Let's thank God for Jace, Pastor Jason and his word today. Thank you for being here. Uh, we're uh, glad that you're here. We're, it's always good to see you. And once you know that we love you guys, and uh, we'll see you next week. Make sure you wait for the ushers to come, and they'll dismiss you. Uh, keep those masks on until you get into the building, out of the building, and into your parking lot. God bless you. Love you. Have a hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope that you really felt engaged in worship here together online from wherever you are. And make sure that you stay in touch throughout the week, too. We have a couple of things that are coming up in the life of the church and ways to be connected here at Salem Fields, whether you're here in person or worshiping online. And so we're so thankful that you joined us today. Stay in touch and we'll see you next week.